We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I would like to introduce uh, the voice, the play-by, the color analyst voice of Fordham women's basketball and arguably the greatest uh, fan of the men's basketball team that Fordham University has ever seen. Chris Persianen, how are you? Please share your thoughts on the last two games and how far this team can go. Hey, what's going on? Um, I was being held hostage by what I presume was Twitter running a live tweaked version of its own app. Um, and I just couldn't like spaces didn't exist at all. Like I couldn't view other people's spaces. I couldn't join one. I had someone DM this one to me. I couldn't join it. It was a whole debacle. Thanks Elon. Um, But I don't want to say it. So I wouldn't get, you know, like automatically removed or whatever. Uh, But you know, We're here now. With that said, the New York Knicks, um, since acquiring Josh Hart, um, and I said this, you know, I was was a guest um, on the Strickland podcast, and I said this on there. There's no one area of the team. And, you know, this was before Robinson had returned. I said, once Robinson is back, there will be no one area of the team that is significantly lacking in talent or ability or whatever. If you want to say it's rebounding, everything ever says that's wrong. Um, (laughs) If you want to say it's passing, well, Emmanuel quickly getting as many minutes as he has recently. And Isaiah Hartenstein, you know, kind of working off of that Achilles thing he had has looked more comfortable. And those two are bringing some really free flowing ball movement to that second unit add in Obi Toppin and his minutes that he gets, but also Jalen Brunson. And then, you know, you have the Grimes willing ball mover, ball mover, Barrett making good reads in his last couple of games. You can tell he watched some tape over the all-star break and uh, probably didn't really like what he saw from himself. So you can just see he's been, you know, notably better these last couple of games um, in process, even if not in, you know, field goal percentage. And I think that, you know, you look at perimeter defense, Knicks are good. You look at interior defense, Knicks are good. You look at perimeter scoring. Yeah, they kind of got to do it by committee. They don't have a top 15 guy in the NBA. But let me tell you something. Julius Randle has been playing like a top 15 to 20 guy in the NBA uh, for a while now. (laughs) And so that, to me, gives this roster a lot of characteristics that I think 
are important. I think it's weirdly important to have a, a leader in the locker room that's not your best player. I think someone who, even when your best player is having off nights, um, has established themselves as, you know, just as much of a leader as them. And I think Brunson and Randall had some, you know, ups and downs. Uh, Brunson had a rough stretch in play at the start of the year, if anyone remembers. Randall's him too. But this duo has come really far in terms of the binary leadership that this team has. They have someone who the league has kind of said is their best player in Julius Randle. Um, they have the guy who's kind of transformed things on the court for them in Brunson. And then you look at the ancillary pieces. Well, they have a guy who can give them 20, 25 a game in Barrett, who's also strong, who's been better on defense recently. Randall's been great on defense recently. They've got Hart Grimes quickly to close out that those, you know, they have four options that they could close with at wing. That's not common. Um, and, you know, if it is common, it's because the team is so bad that, you know, four different wings are just as good as each other to close. Well, the Knicks can actually play it game by game and see, you know, which two out of the four have been working best against the opponents and, and who gives them the best shot to win. Um, you look at the forwards, the bigs, they're in a great spot there too. I just think that you're looking at a team now that even if they're not the best at any particular thing, doesn't have a particular glaring weak spot. Um, and, and that's really important because they're able to just play their game against teams and grind it out like Thibodeau teams like to. Um, but if it's a shootout, they can, they can kind of hang in those down. You know, there's these different ways that games go, but I feel like they're well prepared for all of them. And that is a credit to the people whose job it is to put together this roster that is a credit to the person whose job it is to prepare the roster for every game. And it's a gigantic credit to the players themselves on the team who have worked really hard to kind of sacrifice in different ways and just put together an end result that is seeming recently to be greater than the sum of its parts. Chris, just speak it into existence and say it with me. Eastern Conference Finals. You need to just go to Vegas and put a put a bet on it and then never speak about it again so you don't jinx it, but just have it out there just floating that like if it happens, you'll cash out big time. Um, I have said, I said prior to the heart trade, and I talked about this here on study hall, I said prior to the heart trade that with an upgrade at the deadline, this team could probably win two rounds in the playoffs depending on how things shake out, but that it was unlikely that I just had them you know, obviously, depending on the opponent, but if that opponent is Cleveland or any team that's not Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, I think the Knicks have a really great shot at winning their first round series against whoever it is. So, you know, second round, you know, you see what happens, but that's already getting ahead of ourselves here. Um, I just think that looking it at that playoff picture, you know, you look at a team like the Lakers, you look at teams like the Kings out West. I, I assume if you ask most of the superstars around the league, they don't really view the Kings as that much of a problem. They're not intimidated by Sacramento come playoff time. They think they're a cute story. And I bet if you gave them truth serum, they would all say that none of them want to see Sacramento in the first round of the playoffs. And so I think there's a similar situation with the Lakers. You know, people, oh, the Lakers, they can't actually win. They're not good enough, whatever. But that's a team that teams don't want to see in the first round. Like they've, they've gotten past that point of, Hey, we're the Chicago bulls and we're here to get maybe gentlemen swept by the Milwaukee bucks or whoever we're playing. Or like, 
hey, it's Trey and DeJounte here, and we're going to give you some great highlights and also a, a play-in loss. Like, I, I, you know, I, I think that there's a little more grit to this Nick team. I think that this is a team that even if they do not win their second-round matchup, do not even make it to the second round because they lost their first-round matchup, um, will be in that first round and will be a team that, you know, if a team like Cleveland, for example, escapes having to play the Knicks in the first round, I think they'll see it that way. I don't think they'll see it as, oh, we wish we could have played the Knicks, you know? Listen, I think you you made a good point about um, Sacramento and L.A. Like, hey, listen, Lord knows I will get my licks in on L.A. any chance I get because, well, I don't hate the Lakers. I hate Laker fans. I think the Lake, Laker fans are the worst fan base in the league, and it's not close. I don't I don't want to hear about the Warriors. I don't want to hear about the Heat. It's the Lakers. They've been doing you, this for You see, my, my pick, you didn't even name my pick. I'll, I'll, I'll text you. Okay, text me. Um, but it's gonna be the wrong answer because I've been watching them. I've been watching the Lakers do this shit for thirty fucking years. Uh, excuse my French. Dave, David Fuddy, David Fuddy lives in L.A. He knows Laker fans are the worst. They're the worst. Any anyone who you let me. Okay, no, it's not them. No, okay, they're okay. I, I, can I say who it is? Because I have no problem saying it. I've said the same I, I don't want. I don't want people. You know, I have, okay. I have friends that cover that team. I'm being nice. Okay. I, all right. Well, okay. I will. Okay. All right. Uh, see, Andrew Claudio told us not to do this, and I'm trying not to do this. But like, okay, I I believe that team is one of the top five worst fan bases in the league. Um, if you want to know who it is, um, just DM me, and I will send and I and I'll tell you who it is and why I think it is. Um, but anyway, but you're right. No one, no one is. No one truly wants to play LeBron James in the first round of the playoff series. Like you don't. Like if you say you are, you're lying. Like, or you're not paying attention. Um, or you think that, you know, you know, NBA Twitter discourse is what is 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 real. Same thing with Sacramento. Now, I guess granted, Sacramento defensively is is eh, but um I literally just saw the Kings score 176 points on the road against Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. But you're telling me you want them in a first-round series? You know why you want them in the first-round series? Because of the name on the front. And Lord knows the Sacramento Kings have been worse than the Knicks. M- missing the playoffs 16 straight years is unfathomable to me. But they've turned around and here they are. And listen, nobody wants to play the Knicks in the first round of a playoff series. They don't. They don't. If they say they are, they're lying to you. You're telling me that you, if you could choose between the Knicks and Brooklyn and maybe Miami, but then again, that's, you know, heat culture, yada, 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 that garbage. But um, now, of course, we're going to lose the heat because I said that. But if you could choose between like them and like Atlanta, like Atlanta, come on, Midlanta, as Mensa calls them. No, 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 absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, let me. I think we got some comments here. Uh, yes, I'm gonna post, post this in the jumbotron from Nick's recap. Shout out to Nick's. Shout out to Nick's recap. Um, and yes. So, um, if anyone else has anything to say, they want to come up, raise your hand. We'll bring you to the stage. If you don't want to come to the stage and have a comment or aren't or unable to come to the stage, um, leave a comment in the chat in the lower left right hand corner, and we will read it. So, Chris. What I think I may have missed it. What is your ceiling for this team this year? Realistic ceiling. Actually, be unrealistic if you want. I don't care. Um, I think, I I think the realistic ceiling, and if the, you know, by asking that you mean, uh, hey, uh, everything goes, 
at the average outcome, an average outcome for everything. Uh, where does this team end up? I'd say they lose in the, the second round of the playoffs. I, I think I think I think that's I think that's fair and feasible. I th- I like how you said like the the you know the average possible outcome. I think I will throw Robert Cross the bone here. Yes, the best possible outcome if everything breaks right is the conference finals. But again, I don't want to I don't want us to get ahead of ourselves because we. I don't want us to end up like a team down there, down in Atlanta who made a conference finals and thought, oh, they had arrived and now they're in the plane where they belong. Um, did I actually ask you, Chris? I'm if you said that, I, I may have missed it. I apologize. Um, of the four of the top four teams, Philly, Milwaukee, Boston, or Cleveland, who would you want to face the most, and who would you want to face the least? Um, Cleveland the most, then Philadelphia, then Boston, then Milwaukee. Um, actually not, then Milwaukee, then Boston. I'll I'll say Boston. I, I, I think the Knicks have the worst chance against, I think they have the best chance against the Cavaliers. Um, I think they've got the second best chance against those Philadelphia 76ers. I, I think Harden and Embiid are spectacular players. I think Embiid is, you know, if he's not top five, he's right there in the league. But in, in the playoffs, you know, a lot of those calls that they get, uh, it's just a different story. Um, you know, the Knicks and, and the Sixers played a game where Harden and, and Embiid had something like 45 free throws between the two of them. Um, that stuff doesn't happen in playoff basketball. And uh, I, I think Harden and Embiid can be really good as a pick-and-roll duo, but not good enough where uh, – you know, the, the, the Knicks couldn't take them to six, take them to seven. So I, I think that uh, uh, they've got the best chance of beating Cleveland. Cleveland did not pick up a wing at the deadline. Um, they've got Karis Levert. And I, I have it on good authority from several authorities that they had one of their, you know, young players and some, some draft capital on the line for one of the wings that was acquired at the deadline. But There was a team out there that offered Cam Reddish and a first-round pick for that wing. So Cavaliers took that offer instead. Um, And that's how the, you know, the Knicks, there was a market for Hart beyond New York. Um, Cleveland was interested. They did not land him. And that's how they got, you know, stuck with Karis LeVert as their playoff wing. And so when you look at that, um, I think that they just don't have the the ability in that skill and that, you know, in that position room to get football-y on you. Um, to, to survive in a playoff series against a lot of teams. I think they beat Indiana pretty handily. Um, but Milwaukee, Boston, Philadelphia, New York are all teams to me that could beat that Cleveland squad. And then, you know, the, the Knicks have a game plan against Milwaukee. Obviously, you'll probably get beat by Drew and by Chris. But like you said earlier, Sean, the, the Boston team is just so good top to bottom. And they've got the wings. So that's that for me. All right. No, I, I, that's a, listen, the, the Cleveland Cavaliers will go as far as Eric Mobley takes them because if not, and they're depending on Karis Avert and Isaac Okoro on the wings, good luck. 
For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenblum.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. You've got New Year's goals, and HelloFresh is here to help you achieve them. Take control of your time and budget with delicious recipes delivered right to your door. Looking for an easy way to eat well and save money this year? Cut back on expensive takeout and delivery and get started with HelloFresh. You'll love how easy, fun, and affordable it is to whip up a restaurant-quality meal right in your 
own kitchen. With fast and fresh recipes, HelloFresh's latest line of meals featuring robust flavors and filling portions are ready in less than 15 minutes. Enjoy taste and quality done quick with recipes like falafel power bowls, seared steak and potatoes with béarnaise sauce, or Southwest pork and bean burritos. If you know anything about me, you know that I'm not the greatest when it comes to cooking. Thankfully, I found a life partner that loves her time in the kitchen and loves putting together these elaborate meals. Unfortunately, with her schedule working at a school all day and my schedule covering sports all night, we rarely have time to go to the grocery store together. Well, HelloFresh has made it possible for us to do all the grocery shopping for the week right from the comfort of our living room. In fact, just last night when I was editing the latest KFS pod, she was putting together two plates of Presto Pesto Panko Chicken with roasted potatoes and green beans. We were able to do dinner and a movie without even leaving the comfort of our own home. And this is just one of several delicious HelloFresh meal options with cook and prep time taking less than an hour. When you've got busy, conflicting schedules like ours, you don't have to go out for dinner and a movie. Instead, it comes right to you. Don't hesitate. Head to HelloFresh.com slash Filmschool65 and use code Filmschool65 for 65% off plus free shipping. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash Filmschool65 and code Filmschool65 for 65% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Let's go to Dom Cappuccini, longtime KFS supporter. Dom, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. How are you? Hey, good afternoon, fellas. Um, uh, first off, going into uh, last night's game, I I was expecting a win, but I wasn't exactly expecting what came out. I was expecting more of like a dogfight, um, like we had Friday night. Maybe pull away a little bit earlier than we did Friday night. I don't know if maybe the Pelicans are just kind of like the Walking Dead right now, due to injuries and, and morale, but it was still very eye-opening. The five-game winning streak's been eye-opening. Honestly, the last, I don't know, 10 games, around the time that they lost to the Clippers before and after, a little bit before and after, it's all been eye-opening. I actually told John that I felt like before the Mitchell injury, after we got up to six games over 500, that I think we were about to start to turn a covert uh, corner and starting to create identity. And then obviously Robinson going down and we had to like backpedal readjust. And now I'm starting to see probably in the last three weeks, the, the corner is starting to be turned again. And now I think it just, they really did turn the corner. And as far as ceiling goes, it's hard to say what the ceiling really is. I, I appreciate Robert Cross's, uh, um, you know, enthusiasm about as, as always, finals. Do. <laughs> um, do I, you know, storybook ending for me, even though I would love anything more than that storybook ending for me would have to be a uh, matchup with the Cavaliers in the four or five seed, um, which actually would be like a rematch between Brunson and Mitchell. And I would like to see obviously a deja vu type outcome. Brunson being the top dog over getting the Knicks past them, which also would be a great, you know, you know, you know, one in the face of the LL Knicks fan base. You know, everyone who thought that we had such a terrible summer because we didn't get the Mitchell when, when the reality is we all know we got we, we brought some key pieces back. We brought some key pieces in. We're just going to get the cherry on the top. We had a great summer. 
So that'll be one thing. And then we go over to uh second round, obviously probably play the Celtics and just give them the biggest dog fight they ever had in their life. Similar to uh, 20 years ago when the Knicks first faced the Bulls in the 92 Eastern Conference quarter, uh, semifinals. And basically a lot of people thought, I think back then that the Knicks probably would lose in four or five and said, faced the elimination and came back in and, and pushed it to seven. And after that, all of a sudden, it was like, okay, Knicks are like maybe a little tough playoff team to all of a sudden, oh, this team is a, a team to watch out for. And that's what I hope for. That's what I would love to see. I'm not saying I'm expecting it, but that's what I would love to see. Get to the second round, scare the crap out of uh, the Celtics, and also give a statement to the whole world. It's like, hey, we're not that far away from really creating some havoc. So I'll let you guys retake the floor. Appreciate you, Dom. No, I, I, I appreciate you. And thank you. I would, yeah, like, I mean, listen, I don't like losing to Boston in anything. Of so, that would, so that would stink. So that part of, part of me makes the, me really not want to play them. Um, like Philly. So the funny thing is, I've told this story before. I, so for many of you, many of you know, I lived in Philly for four years. Um, from 2018 to last summer, uh, I actually have a soft spot. Like I don't hate Philadelphia. I never did. I visit. I think I visited that city more than anywhere else in the anywhere else in the country. Um, in November 2019, uh, they played the Knicks at Wells Fargo. My me and my family went, and I don't know if you guys remember that game, but we were up, and this was like this is again this was 2019 20. Like this is like Frank Nilakina Knicks. And in that game, we were up 18 points in the third. It was 16 points. It was 76-60. And we were hooting and hollering and whooping it up. And that, and then, uh, what's this guy's name? Tobias Harris turned into Larry Bird and sparked a comeback, and they won. And at the end of the game, the entire Wells Fargo crowd started chanting, New York sucks. New York sucks. <laughs> New York sucks. And I just sat there with my wife and my, at the time he was three, three and a half year old son. And I, and I never forgot that I said, you know what? One day we will throw this back in their face. And let me tell you something right now. If we were to win, if we were to beat them in the first round of a play of, of the playoffs this year and officially end the process era, because at that point, listen, James Harden is already talking about going back to Houston because he's a loser. Um, like he, he doesn't want to compete. Listen, I, if, if you ask me, <laughs> you ask me to take a look at this Houston team right now, everything that's being said about this Houston team right now that's one, that's one. everything that's coming out of that's being leaked that's getting out because everyone wants to be the first one to tell their side of the story so they can seem like they're not part of the problem everything that's coming out of this houston team if you asked me to look around the landscape of the nba and pick one guy that would look at that team and go yep i want to be a part of what they've got going on right there i I, I I don't even have to finish that thought. I mean, adds up. <laughs> adds it's, up to it's me. So on, it's so on brand. Like he like it's almost like he's saying like you know what this competing stuff is hard. I'm like it's like he's like he's like I'm done. It's I'm ready to retire. I'm done. Um, five, quick side note. You know who'd be a perfect coach for that team? 
I've said it. I've said it for months. The perfect culture of that team would I've be said Tom, it for months. Would be Tom Thibodeau. Absolutely. They need to take Tillman Fertitas assets, liquidate them, and throw it all at Tibbs. Try to convince him to leave New York and establish his culture down there. And no- saying, I was saying it back when, when the Nick fan base wanted Thibodeau fired earlier this season, and it was pretty resounding, the chorus of fans that wanted him fired. I said, you know what? You guys might be right. He might not be the fit for this New York Knicks team at all right now. But you know where he would be a fit would be Houston, Texas, because that team needs him bad. And they were interested in him a couple years back, and they didn't get him. They didn't even have a chance to get him because they were still in the playoffs, and the Knicks already hired their guy. If I can just add one more thing on your point, Sean, that if that was to occur, like your dream situation. I think the same thing happened with Philadelphia, too. They were interested in Thibodeau. Still in the playoffs, Knicks hired him before that ended um, with the bubble stuff. I, I think that's you know people ask why they hired him so early. There were there were other teams interested. Sean, if I could just say that one thing on your dream scenario, if that was to happen in that way, and uh, like we take down Philadelphia in the first round, I think you better believe this would be uh, Mr. Macri's uh, wet dream scenario because like we knocked him out. And next thing you know, what's the rumor about Joel Embiid coming to New York? Because why not? I mean, losing to uh, losing in the first round with this team, that be that would have to be the ultimate low, <laughs> you know, outside of you know not making the playoffs. But that would be the ultimate low for this franchise when they've already been having a hard time getting out of the second round. They they lose to us, we move on. Why not? That that would be that would be. The, I think I think that would be the biggest thing. Is like oh. MB wants to leave. Now all of a sudden Nick's pushing all their chips in. Because I think we all know the reality is there's no Donovan Mitchell out in this summer. And the guys that are available, the Levines and the Cats, I hope if if, if that's the best that there is, I'd rather punt till next year. But if that was to happen and Embiid's the guy that's available, oh my oh my God. Well i <laughs> and I love Mitch. I love Mitch, but oh Dom, my God. <laughs> Dom, I've made this prediction that um, you know. Last summer, I said, you know, the Knicks are better off not making this Mitchell trade and continuing to build the way they have been because it's going to pay off for them. And you look at how how this year has gone, thanks to the hard work of these players and and the coaching staff in the front office, they're making me look pretty smart. Not that I did anything for that to happen, but, uh, you know, these these guys are making me look good. And and I think my next prediction, my next prediction, my crystal ball is telling me that this offseason, the New York Knicks will – Gasp, you guessed it. They will once again get clowned by the national media. And let me tell you why. A team like the Brooklyn Nets, a team like the Atlanta Hawks, someone is going to go and make a swing. Maybe the, the Hawks decide, hey, Murray and Collins, let's ship them out and let's bring in Carl Anthony Towns to come play with Trey yeah, Young and let's have the best offense yeah. freaking ever, right? And, and whatever it is that's going to happen, so these guys are going to move. And some, and some, some, star, some star names are going to move. And the Knicks are going to get OG Ananobi, whose market will be lesser now that the stars are back on the table. The Knicks will go get, the Knicks will go get someone like an Ananobi, someone, uh, a name that's notably less sexy than an Anthony Towns. And, you know, and, and you, you take a look at what the response is going to be, and it's going to be, oh, two years straight. 
the, the, the stars are getting moved and the Knicks come away with a mid-level guy. Now, Brunson was great for them, but can he do it again? Can he, you know, the book is out on him now as a lead guy. Can he do it again? And they get Ananobi, you know, there's a reason no one gave up all those picks for him besides the Knicks. He's not that great. And, and you can already hear these narratives starting to form while the Knicks just keep their heads down, improve their roster for another straight season, and go into the 2024 offseason with a nice, tidy cap sheet with a lot of future assets, with a great young core to deal and wheel with or to keep around. And, and I think this is going to be the theme of the Leon Rose front office. Once the team is good, is the media is going to say, hey, remember all those times we clowned that team for not making the move? Look where it got them. It takes it yeah. happening in the NBA world. Fans and, and national analysts have to see it spelled out in crayons right in front of them for them to believe it. You know, you saw the Chicago Bulls. A lot of analysts said that team is not going to be good. But the, but the, the national guys got the names. They got DeRozan and Levine and Boosin, and they got all these big names. I said, this team's going to be on top of the world. And it took them getting swept in the first round for them to go, oh, maybe not. You have to see it play out in front of you for, for yeah. people to catch up. And the Knicks are going to continue to get clowned again and again and again. And, and, and I think this front office has done a good job of not reacting to that. You really think, just one last point, I don't want to take any more time, but you really think that Ann Obi's price would drop considering the president – Masayuri, I mean, well, Masai, Masai wanted two unprotected picks and, and, you know, cherries plural on top at this deadline for him and not even Memphis or New Orleans or New York. None of the, the three teams right now, funnily enough, the three teams right now that are in the biggest position, if you ask me, to acquire the next star on the market, it's New Orleans, it's Memphis, and it's New York. The three teams that drafted one, two, and three in the 2019 draft. The Pelicans have Ingram for Williamson, but they're looking maybe to use those first-round picks to, to grab another star. The, the Grizzlies yeah. have Morant. They have Jackson Jr., but they're looking to grab use those picks to grab no, another no. star, right? The Knicks have this surplus of first-round picks, almost getting – getting. they're like between their first and seconds and the, the quality of their young players. I would say they've got a top-five asset base in the NBA today alongside teams like Oklahoma City. And so – you take a look at these three teams. I think all three of them are going to be in the hunt for an Ananobi. But if someone like Bradley Beal shakes loose, I think Memphis would rather pivot in that direction and be able to say, hey, we've got Morant, Beal, and Triple J, and this is our, our core here. Right. Right. Because Memphis's ceiling is kind of cat, considering that their real main star is Ja, and they're playing kind of catch up with a lot of teams with. Um, with multiple stars. Um, yeah, and I mean, they're, they're in, listen, they're in position. They're in great position to make a move. But when you take a look at they gotta the what they're going to have after that move, I'm not, you know, we'll see. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. I'll let the other guy, but like I said, second round, they get to the second round and really push six games. I'll be happy with that. But if they, if they make to the first round and drop six games, as long as competitive, unlike two years ago, I can live with that, too. The future is bright for sure. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Dom. Thanks, Dom. And I will say this. Um, yes, for me and Jonathan both share the dream scenario of 
of seeing Joel Embiid in Origin Blue because I think that dude is one of the five best players in the league. I think he should have won the damn MVP last year. If we had given the MVP last year, we wouldn't be wringing our hands of, oh, why can't about giving Jokic three straight MVPs? So, so that's a dream scenario for me. The nightmare scenario for me is Carl Anthony Towns. Jesus Christ, if we acquire Carl Anthony Towns, I am going to lose. If if the all-in move is Carl Anthony Towns, I'm going to lose my S-H-I-T. Right, but what, you know, the, the, the instant counter is what about literally anything that this front office has done so far would suggest that they're interested in acquiring him with an average salary of <clears throat> 56 Oh, I have three. I, I have three reasons for you. There are three reasons why. You ready for the three reasons? C A A. Nah, I will say everyone, this. Everyone, everyone, right? And I got that same argument when I said the Knicks are not going to outbid themselves for Mitchell. Um, they're not going to cough it all up. And people said, "Yeah, but but it's Donovan Mitchell, and he's from he's from somewhere near, kind of geographically near New York City, and." And he was represented by Leon Rose, so so they're going to do it, and 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 then look what happened. It, it, it's always oh, all yes. all the Knicks the Knicks are going to do they're going to do it they they they're desperate and they're they're the Knicks ha ha and then it doesn't happen. It's like oh well, see they they didn't get the guy ha ha. It it, it just it, but you know what okay it's not happening. But do you know why they okay? I agree with you. Like it is one thing this this front office like you said earlier this front office has not reacted. They don't react right. They've been very patient. They've been very conservative. Some people say to a fault, what have you. But we know why Donovan Mitchell is not a neck. It's literally one unprotected first round pick that was on the table, which would have been the third unprotected first that was taken off the table. And Danny Ainge, who is a pick hermit, um, pick merchant, uh, said no. Right, but if they were if, so CAA, heat-seeking missile, you know, whatever, they would have just given up the pick, and they would have no, said, we'll I, deal with it later. But at the same time, because it's their guy, that's why they put their they dangled their 22-year-old, quote-unquote, budding star in front of them easily, which people feel like, they're not trading R.J. Barrett. Oh, yes, they will. So I say that to say this. If the price is right, they'll do it. That's what scares me. If the price is right. Hey, Sean. And the and 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 and, and let me I'll say this one thing and then I'll go to yeah. you, Kevin. And the thing about me is that dude, I don't want Carl Anthony Towns because he creates a fundamental imbalance on your team that you won't be able to solve. And we're watching it in Minnesota now because he he is a he is a center that doesn't protect the rim that requires you to get a center, which then clogs up the paint for your guards. And then offensively, if you don't put him at the four, he could probably, like offensively he's fine, but he, he can't protect the rim and he can't guard fours. So he fundamentally alters the imbalance of your team. And I don't really know how you can win with a, with a player like that. Very And listen, he's not the only guy that's like that. There are guys that are just like, they're great, but what they take off the table so throws off the balance of your team that it's just nearly impossible for you to win. Go ahead, Kevin. Just a really quick question. Um, so don't say nothing to this because 
obviously, for instance, if the Timberwolves, uh, if, if the price for acquiring Carl um, Anthony Towns was that, that the Timberwolves would attach Anthony Edwards, I think you would do that trade. Um, and like, I, it, obviously. So what would be a price? Um, look, I'm not pro getting cat, um, to be clear, at all. Um, what would be a price that you could talk yourself into? There, see, the problem is, okay, yes, if they attach Anthony Edwards, I'd make the deal. But guess what? I also live in reality, and they're not of going course, to attach obviously. Anthony Edwards. I, right? you know, so I it's like my hypothetical, exactly. So if it's like, all right, two first round picks and salary filler, basically, it, basically, it's and this is why I don't think the the Minnesota trade for Gobert was the abject disaster as people made it out to be, even though it is bad, don't get me wrong, in terms of price. But I believe that Tim Connolly, who seems to know a thing about basketball team building, made that trade saying, if this doesn't work, my get-out-of-jail-free card is Carl Anthony Towns, and I can flip him for picks. So if we, if the Knicks were to acquire him and it cost... But like two, they're not taking two protective first for Colin Anthony Towns. Like it's gonna have to be probably minimum two first unprotected. So you say, okay, if I can move two unprotected first and salary filler, okay, to make the salaries work, and probably, and they're gonna ask for like a one young player. Um. I guess I wouldn't lose my mind. But then again, to me, the problem is less about the price. It's more about the fact that he um, he fundamentally alters how you your team building process because of his deficiencies. Because what you have to do to cover his deficiencies leads to a roster imbalance. So I don't even know what the plan, I don't even know what the plan, I don't even know what it is. I, the, the problem is to me, like, once you make that trade, I know what my ceiling is, and the ceiling is not championship. That's that's how I feel, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. No, I I, I, I hear you. I, I just, like, yeah. I, I wonder what, the, what that conversation is for Levine, too. Like, what is, like, the minimum Kevin, threshold. Kevin, I will, I Kevin. will throw, I will push you down a flight of steps. If, if I, I am if not I advocating trading for either player. Time. I do not want to trade for either player at all. I want We're to make that clear. Eastern I'm just curious because I feel like they might make that move. <laughs> I am not advocating for trading for either player at all. I'm just curious because they might make that move, and I'm wondering where it's like, okay, I can talk myself into. Not not hating this, but like not being not wanting to like walk off. I don't know. <laughs> you get my point. You know what? I'll, I'll I'll say this. I'll say this. So we recently passed on the ten year anniversary of the Camaro Anthony trade, and I at the time was like, I don't want to make this trade, and. Now, granted, yes, we gave up less than what these teams are giving up now for these star players. Um, but although I think that market correction is starting to happen, but I didn't like the trade for two reasons. One, he was literally going to be a free agent in six months, and he was pushing for the trade because he wanted to get his one to sign his extension above all else. 
And number two, I knew what the ceiling was once we acquired him because I never believed that Carmelo Anthony could be the best player on a championship team. So the price didn't bother me, even though one of the picks became Jamal Murray, but I digress. The price didn't bother me as much as what the ceiling became, because I don't think there's, and I know there are people think, oh, if we built the team better and if, if Lamar didn't get hurt, if, 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 I would just say like this, you're not, and again, I went to and graduated from Syracuse University, and I'm looking at the 2003 National Championship banner that hangs in my office because Carmelo Anthony is responsible for the greatest sporting moment of my life, being on campus the day we won the national title as a senior, the first time. However, when it came to the NBA, I did not think that we could, you could win the title of him as your best player, and when the trade happened, it was like, eh. And that's why I don't look back at that era with the reverence that some people do, because I knew even at, and listen, I enjoyed 2012, 2013. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I enjoyed it. I knew that wasn't sustainable and I knew it wouldn't last. If you bring in a play like, if you bring in a play like Carl Anthony Towns, I know what the ceiling is. And yes, there may be a ceiling where there may be a season where like, oh, we're ripping off 49, 50 wins, yada, yada, yada. I don't think we're winning title. I don't want Zach Levine because he could be the worst contract in the league in a year and a half. Um, So to Chris's point, this front office has done an amazing job of staying low and keep the fire. They stay low and they keep firing. They have not made the knee jerk panic trade. I believe what I believe the Donovan Mitchell trade would have been. But and I know they're waiting for the star trade. That's that's the ultimate goal. And every year to 18 months, some player decides, you know what? I've had enough here. And maybe that player is Joel Embiid. Maybe that player, if it, well, I was going to say it could have been Devin Booker, but now, well, listen, I'll tell you something right now. They crash and burn in the second round, which I don't see how that's, I would be highly unlikely. Maybe he's like, I don't know, but um, I'd rather just wait for the times, right? Because you have one shot to make this trade. One. And if you get it wrong, you're in trouble. Um, hey, KD t- tears his Achilles again, and, uh, you know, maybe we're talking. I don't want to speak that into existence, of course, but. Well, you know what? I, I know you don't want to speak that into existence, but at the same time, it's like people just, like, they they act like Kevin Durant, who literally I don't think has played 65 games since he tore his Achilles. I can, I'm going to look that up. Um, the fact that. And, and it, like Kevin Durant was drafted in 2007. I'd just like to remind everyone uh, if he is hurt again and misses an extended, he's hurt right now. If he's hurt again and misses an extended period of time, I mean, that isn't exactly, that isn't exactly a stretch. So be, there you go. All right. Um, uh, we got a few minutes left. Um, Chris, anything else you want to add, discuss, throw out, you want to throw a chair? Um, anything else you'd like to discuss? No, man. I, I just think um, I think that, you know, the last study hall episode, I said, I quoted the office and I was like, you know, the, the, you're in the good times thing. It's like we're, we're still there. These, you know, for Nick fans, these wins are piling up. Um, I think that Nick fans should just, uh, I'm not trying to say, oh, oh, you get what you get. Don't be upset. You know, if they lose a million games, you just have to be happy with it. But the way it seems like this team is playing, I, 
I just think there's going to be a lot of basketball to enjoy and a lot of great episodes of Steady Hall coming up. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, so in terms of the schedule, I think we're going to try to look at Sundays. Um, we're also going to try and I'll say this. We're actually going to try and do afternoons because um, 11 a.m. Eastern is 8 a.m. Pacific. And I do not need Robert Cross and David Ferdinand getting into arguments with their significant others about why are you on, why are your ear, why are your AirPods in at eight o'clock in the morning, and them saying, "Hey, Sean picks eleven a.m. What Sean picks eight a.m. What do you want from me? I don't, I don't want that smoke." So we're gonna aim for um, to start around two. It'll either be on a Saturday or a Sunday. Again, we don't go on game days, so. We'll look at Saturday. Uh, if they play on Saturday, we'll look at Sunday, uh, especially now that the NFL is out. Because, listen, I was not going to be doing KFS Study Hall on a Sunday at 11 a.m. because I'm too busy looking at or Sunday at noon because I'd be too busy watching football or figuring out who to live bet because my first bet went down the drain. Um, so that'll be that. Uh, and I guess that is all. So unless we have anyone else who wants to come up and you want if you have any comments um any comments any questions any observations you want to give we we we, you know we're here for you um but if not i'd like to thank everyone for joining i'd like to thank dom cappuccini i'd like to thank kevin danishevsky i'd like to thank uh mr hashtag 53 wins himself mr robert cross um i'd like to thank chris persianen uh and listen shout out to fordham university who may who is 26 and 5 and as a as a as a Bronx resident, as a person who's born and raised in the Bronx and has never paid attention to Fordham basketball, except that one time they hired Bob Hill in the 90s. It will be nice if Fordham could win the Atlantic 10 in New York and sneak their way into the tournament and then may and then have their one shining moment. Do you I I and Chris, I, I think that you agree. Uh listen, Chris, I ask you this. How uh feasible is a how feasible is it for Fordham to win the Atlantic 10? Ooh, I would say that let me, I'm trying to liken it to an NBA team's title odds. Um, Fordham is like the, oh, that's tough. I want to say like the Nuggets where it's like they've got the talent, but you know, they've got a great coach. You just don't know if they're going to, if this is going to be the year where they pull it all together. Um, but I feel like they've got a little more men, more momentum than that. I would say they should be like plus he was like, maybe we lose Chris. I mean, you can't hear me. Oh, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. My bad. Um, yeah, I would say, geez, Dayton and VCU probably have definitely better odds than them to win. But I would say Fordham's got the third best shot after those two teams. And, you know, you take a look at where the A-10 is going to be. Uh, it's, in, it's in Barclays. So the Fordham has a big opportunity uh, to make this a home game, to make, to make these tournament games home games for them. Uh, so, you know, alumni, fans, students need to show out, need to get uh, some buses over. Um, but, what, you know, whatever it takes, got to gotta pack it out. I appreciate the, the shout out. No, absolutely. And um, listen, if I will go, to, I'll see if I can flip my way over to um, the dump on Atlantic and Flatbush and see it to, and, and go see the game. Um, all right. So with that being said, um, thank you, everyone, again for joining us. Uh, that is Chris Persianen. I'm Sean for W. 
Thankless in the campus uh, study hall on a Sunday after morning slash afternoon. Knicks Nation, West Pride.